welcome to the TES FE podcast with me, Sarah Simons. This week I'll be learning about how to best celebrate diversity in colleges with Hannah Kibbridge of Stonewall. Stonewall's the lesbian, gay and bisexual charity that does brilliant work to celebrate difference and education and training to tackle homophobic bullying. Is homophobia still an issue? Unfortunately, very much so. Stonewall actually commissioned some University of Cambridge research in 2012 that looked at the experiences of lesbian, gay and bisexual students in, in secondary schools, but also in further education Startlingly, we found that one in five lesbian, gay, bisexual students in FE colleges and one in six in sixth form colleges had experienced homophobic bullying. And 99% said that they were hearing phrases like, that's so gay and you're so gay at college on a regular basis. It's, it's shocking to me that it's still, that it's happening. I went to drama school, I did musical theatre at drama school sort of 25 years ago. And I was surrounded by people of all different sexualities all the time for the first sort of half of my career. And so in our sort of club that everybody is welcome to, for me, homophobia was a thing that people who were strange and weird did the homophobia. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, it's really fantastic when there are those positive experiences. And actually, you know, students tell us that college is a much more open place, for example, than their their experience at school might have been. Um, but unfortunately, you know, as I say, we do know that homophobic bullying really still is widespread. And I think even in those organisations or, or those institutions where you don't necessarily hear or see a lot of homophobia, it's worth being aware of the fact that lesbian, gay and bisexual students might still need, you know, support and the importance of actually celebrating diversity to make sure that you continue to, to create that welcoming atmosphere. So what's the, the good practice as far as, as celebrating diversity? What can colleges do? Um, well, we've seen some fantastic initiatives and, and um, we recently run some training programmes as well where we've come across some great, great practice around celebrating LGBT History Month and events like that, for example. Um, so that could be anything from getting a, an LGBT role model to come in and, and speak or, you know, having debates, discussions, watching films, etc., but there are also kind of more day-to-day things which are which are just as important. And that includes things like making sure that um, lesbian, gay and bisexual people are represented um, in the curriculum, for example, you know, in the same way that we now sort of routinely include all kinds of diversity, talk about, you know, different ethnicities, different faiths, um, talk about gender, making sure that sexual orientation and gender identity are included in that way as well. You've mentioned before that that's so gay, it's so gay. How this is seen by people who are gay, this this idea that the word gay has replaced the word silly or stupid, or is that intrinsically harmful? I think from our experience, and again, what came through really strongly from from this the research that we carried out was that um, lesbian, gay, and bisexual people do feel that you know it has a negative impact on them. They do. Eighty-four percent of gay young people said they felt distressed by hearing kind of "that's so gay" and "you're so gay." 
on a regular basis just used as a derogatory term and you can entirely understand why you know equating someone's identity with something negative or stupid or, or whatever it is um is absolutely you know damaging yeah. to people's self-esteem their confidence and, and the way they feel um about themselves and entirely recognize that people may not intend to be homophobic when they're using that language yeah that's the second thing that i was going to get to that i don't think it's done often done with intention of homophobia is it you know the the that's gay that's i heard somebody refer to earl gray tea the other day as gay tea and i thought should i leap in now i feel like i should go hang on you don't mean gay do you you mean unusual different exotic so why are you using gay instead of one of those words? You know, our approach in terms of and, uh, and our thoughts, which are based on what lesbian, gay and bisexual people are telling us, the way they feel about the use of this, this language, is that, it, you know, you absolutely should step, you know, step in on those occasions. And you may, um, you may have seen our recent campaign, No Bystanders, which is all about the use of prejudicial language in general and not just homophobic terms. Um, and how we all have a responsibility to kind of to kind of call it out, you know. As you say, quite often it's not intentionally homophobic, but the impact um, is really, really strong. And if we let that kind of casual use of of homophobic language slip by, then it really creates a culture where actually it's saying it's acceptable to, to you know, to use um, someone's identity, you know, kind of to mean something negative or derogatory and that creates a kind of kind of wider issues I think around and um, people's attitude towards sexual orientation and lesbian gay and bisexual people in general so I think in terms of you were saying earlier you know how do we tackle this it is really important that we do stop every every instant to that effect in kind of October November last year we launched a, a campaign actually around homophobic language which has a, a bunch of resources that are great for colleges to use, and we've seen a lot of them using them already, including um, some posters which just have little slogans like, that's so gay, let's be honest, it's probably not. You know, just getting people thinking, actually, you know, why am I using this term? It, it, it is hurtful to not only lesbian, gay, and bisexual people, but, you know, people who have lesbian, gay, and bisexual friends, family members, um, etc. It's just, it's not, a, it's not language that should be used in that way. So I was wondering if if that sort of use, uh, you know, as we say, it's not always with a, a malicious <coughs> intention. It's to do with how other people might feel about it, even if you're not being malicious. Like I say, that example, gay tea, I know that that person isn't in the least bit nasty or malicious and they would probably be mortified if they knew that that sort of language would, could really damage and really hurt somebody who's maybe 16, 17, working out if if they can be openly who they are absolutely no you're absolutely right and I think um I think one of the reports that we've done that really drives it home was uh, a report with the children of same-sex parents and one of the things they said was sometimes the only way they'd heard the the word gay used apart from at home um was in that negative way they were hearing it at primary school for example people saying that's so gay and teachers not challenging it and the impression that that left them with and the way they felt about talking about their families um, and about themselves um, was really, really, you know, dis dis really disturbing, actually. So I think it's not it's not to be underestimated, as you say, how how that makes a person feel. And I think yeah. one of the most simple ways to, to get people to understand that is to talk about other kinds of prejudicial language. And 
you know, you can't, you can't imagine us going around saying that's so, I don't know, black or something like that and yeah, accepting yeah. that and thinking, oh, that, you know, there's nothing at all wrong with that. And I think it's a, it's a similar thing. Even if malicious intent isn't there, it's about making people aware of, you know, the impact and thinking about their words. So that's the first thing that every time we're here that we as staff should be picking that up and going, you know, you know, you don't mean that, do you? You know, and sort of having that conversation about how it might make younger people feel, how it might make anybody feel. Exactly. Yeah. How it might make anyone feel. And it doesn't have to be a big deal calling it out. You know, it just I think it does. As you say, it just needs to be. You didn't really mean that, you know, kind of don't don't use that language. And once that ethos is, you know, created, once that culture is created, it becomes much easier and much less frequently used, as we've seen in those schools and colleges that have already started to to do this work. And that's working, that sort of united effort that's really paying dividends in the colleges and the schools where you've had those discussions. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, united is a really good word to use as well, because we, we really talk about, you know, a whole school or a whole college approach. And, and it really needs to be that so that everyone's on board, you know, everyone's kind of challenging. And it's generally understood that, that that's not the kind of language similar to any other kind of offensive or prejudicial language that would be used in your environment. I'm just looking at this on your website about, about your, the training that you offer. You talk about getting an overview of the current state of homophobic bullying and the impact on pupil achievement and college performance. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, again, what came through strongly from our research and is borne out again anecdotally through those kind of teachers and staff members that we work with is that young people say it has a real, real impact on their work and how engaged they feel with their work. So three in five lesbian, gay, bisexual college students in the research said that homophobic bullying had had an impact on their work. One in three that had been bullied said they didn't feel that they were achieving their best. Things like attendance falling, um, not wanting to go into college. And also um, a significant proportion say that they question whether they're going to go on to um, future education, actually, or perhaps go to university or whatever it might be, because they're worried that the homophobic bullying will continue. There's a real imperative there in terms of achieving the best for all students and for you know for the college performance itself around tackling this in the same way as any other kind of bullying if a student doesn't feel safe and, and happy in their learning they're certainly not going to going to achieve their best and you have this program about empowering pupils and students and staff to celebrate the difference and to challenge prejudice so we get um, as you say sort of a member of staff to come along from a college and to get trained up themselves on how they might challenge things like homophobic language so very kind of practical sessions on well what would you actually say what would you do is this in your college policy so that's one of the first things you know it needs to be explicit that um, the college won't tolerate that kind of language or bullying so we talk through all those kind of those kind of things, but then we also give those staff members tools to go back and deliver training to other staff members as well on how they're going to challenge bullying or language, make sure that reporting mechanisms are in place and are being used. But going beyond that, thinking about how can I include this in my scheme of work? So in the curriculum, are we going to set up an event, et cetera, to celebrate diversity? How does it fit into the wider equality and diversity work that we're doing in the college? So that's really kind of what that, that programme is all about. But we also have a number of resources for colleges to use. So I've mentioned the homophobic language posters or the anti-homophobic language posters, rather. Um, but we have a series of guidance on, on some of the more challenging issues, maybe. So how to work with faith communities 
how to support a lesbian, gay or bisexual learner who might be coming out, how to to implement effective school or college leadership on the issue. So that's kind of more the policy side, what the legislative requirements are. So let's not forget that Ofsted looks specifically um, at whether colleges are tackling homophobia. The Equality Act requires colleges to eliminate discrimination. We try and equip the staff with all that information and then, you know, ways to, to take that back into college and and let others know about that as well. I'm just looking at this, the coming out guidance for young people. What are the first steps in how we would support and how we would make that the most comfortable sort of transition for young people in our in our care? In terms of when people come out, it's, you know, it's entirely different. It's an entirely unique experience for everyone. And I think for some people it's very young and some people, you know, don't come out and until they're sort of 45 or, or whatever, you know, almost certainly there will be people coming out at, at college. And I think the most important thing is just to kind of not make a not make a huge deal out of it and to be supportive in in the way that you would around any other issue. Certainly if a, you know, if a student were to approach someone and come out, that, that can be quite a sort of big step to take. It may be that they're, they're just coming out and actually that's, they're, they're not looking necessarily for any support, but actually they just... They've entrusted that staff member to be the first person that they've gone to. Some of the questions that we suggest uh, might be asked are things like, have you told anyone else? Do you feel comfortable? Do you need any support? Kind of telling um, anyone else. Or for the moment, they might actually just want that staff member to be the person that they've they've told. But really um, just being supportive, being positive. It's not that, you know, college staff members have to know everything about um, what a lesbian, gay, bisexual person might be going through. There are, of course, you know, Stonewall has its own information service. So it's just as important to be able to signpost that young person onto other services yeah. that be helpful or other organisations um, that might be able to talk to them about more specific things. You know, a young person might be struggling if they're of faith, for example, not necessarily, but they may be struggling to reconcile that or they may be worried about what their parents are going to think. And there are, you know, organisations that that can specifically kind of deal with those those kind of questions. But I think mostly kind of being positive and, and reassuring. And the more that the college has already created, you know, a positive environment and a welcoming environment and a diverse environment, the more likely a young person is going to feel feel comfortable about that the way that you, you use language in the posters and it just makes total sense in a witty you know logical way see i'm just looking at the the football poster that we don't care which team you play for one of the things in in colleges for example is just dealing with that kind of casual stereotypes and assumptions and and casual homophobia and thinking actually let's let's not be super um defensive or aggressive about this but it's just thinking there's there's no reasons to to hold those opinions um, and challenging them in ways that make sense to people it's not a big deal actually is it really what sexual orientation is and so that's absolutely what that what that campaign was trying to do yeah absolutely and it, it's not a big deal it's somebody else's business and it's up to them how they feel and who they love and i think again drawing in sort of role models so one of the great things about that was you know getting footballers on board so and um, what might be termed straight allies and in inverted commas um, to say, actually, come on, you know, I don't think discrimination or bullying is is acceptable. And that can be a good way for if you, if there are learners who are slightly resistant to the idea of role models in your world. They're saying, why are you why are you holding these these views? In terms of role, role models, do you think do you think things are improving? We've seen 
from my perspective, I'm seeing more people of all different ages being open and frank about their sexuality and it just not being a big deal. For example, Tom Daly most recently. I think it's a really key thing for, for young people, seeing role models um, knowing that there are other lesbian, gay, bisexual people out there, and actually there, you know, there are all different types of lesbian, gay, and bisexual people. Naturally, in the same way, there are all different, all different types of everybody. That's <laughs> straight people. Why, you know, why wouldn't there be? But it, it does. It makes a huge difference. I think we're still not quite there yet in terms of, you know, making sure that um, LGBT people are represented right across um, society. But it does. Um, it is a really powerful thing just to know, as you say, that there. There are other people out there living all sorts of, of different and happy lives. Brilliant. Thanks ever so much. Thanks, Sarah.